What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Only winners listen to KCAA Loma Linda. The trifecta of Southern California radio. Heard on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. This episode of the House of Mystery is brought to you by Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. LegacyFoodStorage.com Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino. John Copenhaver and Al Warren. 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. And I'm your host today, Al Warren. So today we have a sci-fi writer. And uh, let's just uh, find out what he's all about. Mr. David M. Kelly, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Alan. I see your history. You've got quite, uh, you've had quite a life. I mean, it says, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a singer, bass player for a heavy metal band, and you were a crew chief for a drag racing team. Um, now you're a sci-fi writer and uh, wow, that's, I'm sure you, you've never had a boring day in your life. Uh, I'd like to say that I haven't, but, you know, I mean, it kind of like, it looks good on paper, but, you know, I mean, the reality is, uh, you know, very different. You know, there's always kind of like days when things aren't going well and, and you know, you're not too happy with things. But uh, overall, yeah, I mean, I've got uh, quite a bit of uh, varied background. Yeah. So how would you, how would you go from doing those things? Um like that's quite an array of, of, of life experience. And you take that and now you're writing like um, science fiction. I think it, it kind of works quite well because having had, you know, these different experiences and met all of these different people and kind of, um, you know, interacted with different people in, in many different ways, 
I think that helps kind of inform, you know, things like building characters and, and you know, kind of like how they're going to react to certain circumstances. Um, and it helps me to, you know, make them more sort of fully formed and, and three-dimensional, which is quite useful. So your characters and, and the things that they go through and, and, and how they behave and interact. So are you picking that up off of your own experiences, like from people you've met and, and things that have happened that you've seen happen and maybe how people, you know, reacted to those things? Yeah, very much so. Um, it's, you know, it's a mixture. It's like some of the things are kind of, you know, just obviously kind of like made up. Uh, but, you know, a lot of them are, are at least informed by things that I've seen or experienced or been through with other people. And and some of them, some of the things are, are also just kind of, you know, parts of me and how I would react. You know, it's all about putting yourself into the perspective of the, the individual character. So when you sit down to write a, a book um, with a science fiction theme, or um, fantasy theme kind of idea. Do, do you start out with like a, a question or something, some event, or do you start out with a character and build it around them? I usually start with uh, a character and a set of circumstances and then build from that. I don't uh, do a great deal of uh, planning up front. Um, I'm more of a kind of exploratory writer. So basically I, I start off with an idea of the, the character and the scenario uh, and then kind of like throw them into it and see where it leads us. You've got uh, coming out here June 7th, you've got the uh, book two of Logan's World and it's Quilingshing uh, Dawn. And yep. um so when you have this world, this Logan's world, so you've had a book one and you sort of have planned it um, and you start it with characters. Are your characters kind of in control of you or are you control of them? It's a little bit of both, but um, the characters do have a tendency to, to dominate um, at key moments. I, um, I kind of let them have free win most of the time and they kind of do what they feel like they want to do. And, and I try to apply guidance <laughs> where I can, but uh, it's like a lot of the time it's, it's very much a, a kind of learning experience for me. It's like, and, and things happen that, you know, I know it sounds strange, but it's like things happen where, you know, I'm surprised at what ends up happening and kind of like think to myself, I didn't expect that. <laughs> now, you know, for, for um, a non-writer or a person that writes, you know, nonfiction like myself, I always ask that question because I get so many different responses and, and um, it seems very bizarre, but, so how do you experience your characters? Is it visual or is it voices? Like, how does this work for you? It's mainly in terms of voices. Um, I kind of hear the people sort of saying things and, and saying how they want to do things. Um, and I kind of like, I document 
their choices in a way. Um, so yeah, it comes very much from them. Um, but as I say, it's kind of informed by all of the kind of like experience I've had with, with people over the years, you know. Well, and, and so with hearing these voices, do you, do you ever wake up um, in the middle of the night with mud on your shoes and, and a shovel by the bed? <laughs> no, I, I've never had that particular circumstance happen. But uh, I have to say, um, quite often as I'm writing a book, it's like I actually dream events that are then in the book later on. And I have, um, for instance, in, in Quilenshin Storm, the first of the Logan Two Feathers books, uh, the whole kind of last third of the book uh, essentially came to me in a dream. And I kind of woke up the, the following morning and had this whole kind of idea of how this was going to end. And it was like, you know, get it down as quick as possible before I forget, you know. Yeah, that's really... Um... It's another one of those that I, I still can't figure out. So when you when you first get the idea for the character or the book or kind of what you're going to do, like, for instance, Logan's wrote the very first book, when it's first coming to you, do you kind of like have a picture in your mind of what it's going to be and kind of where it's going to happen and how it's going to how it's going to end type thing? And you kind of know that and then you fill in the details or is it totally just day by day and you get the information and write it? In uh, Logan's case, um, it came about in a slightly different way because um, the Logan's World series is a spin-off from an earlier series of mine, um, the Joe Ballon series. And, and Logan was um, originally a friend of the, the main character in, in that series. And then there was, in one of the later books in the series, he was very much a key person in this kind of rather big uh, development in the book. And um, after that happened, I kind of realized that I needed to kind of tell his story. So I had some of the characters kind of make up already in place as it were and i and that event that happened in the sort of in the joe ballon book is kind of the trigger point for then the logan's world series so i had that initial effort from from those earlier books um and i developed it from there but uh, usually when i'm kind of starting completely from scratch what i i will do is i will kind of develop the kind of key characters that I want. I'll kind of like get make an outline of them. Um, and I'll kind of like very, very um, sketchily mark out the sort of um, the setting and the scenario and the sort of major kind of ideas that I want to include in the book um, and then go from there. But it, it's like they say about, um, you know, battle plans. It never survives contact with the enemy, so they always change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's never what you start out to be. But um, no, I, 
so I now you have not been, if I'm correct, a writer your whole life. This hasn't been something you've been writing these books since you were six type thing and doing this. So it kind of came along after other things. But mm. um, this whole lifestyle of you um, with characters and voices and the way you're assembling these stories and dreaming and imagination, it's, it's all really cool. But did you have this years before you ever got into writing or is it something that just started? Oh, no, it was a it was a long time kind of coming. Um, I was very much an, an avid reader when I was young. I kind of read sort of like through kind of like a couple of libraries <laughs> when I was uh, in school. And I always loved books and, and reading and I always wanted to try my hand at writing and, you know, kind of life kind of like takes its own sort of like turns and its own paths and and I never seriously kind of took it on for quite a long time and then um, many years ago um, when I, I lived in England I took on a job and I had an extremely long commute by train which was like an hour a day each way and I wanted something to do on the train. Um, and I sure wasn't going to work during that, those two hours because I, wasn't, I wouldn't get paid for it. So I thought I'll do something for myself. And my, uh, my thoughts turned back to kind of like this idea of writing, which I'd always wanted to try my hand at. And so I, uh, that's when I started writing. And I ended up writing my first novel, which is not, published and hopefully never will be <laughs> but uh, that was kind of like the thing that really got me hooked and I've been writing ever since although it did take me a long time after that point to get to the point get to the uh, stage where I felt that what I was writing was actually publishable yeah it's it's it, it can be a long process it's it's different writing for yourself compared to putting it out where everybody can read it and especially in the today's world where so many people have almost instant access to you so you can get a lot of um comments and a lot of people say saying things about your writing that you know never used to be so it's very it's a different time it takes a little bit of courage now to put out a book yeah, it, it does. It's, you know, I mean, when you when you write a book, I mean, there's always a part of you, you know, within that book. And depending on what you're writing, I mean, that could be quite, you know, a sort of um, an important part of, of you, or it could be a lesser part, but there's always parts of you in that book. And so, you know, when you when you put it out there in the, the big old world, you know, it's like you've got to be prepared for whatever people say. And sometimes they say things that, you know, aren't particularly nice. So, oh, yeah. You know, and it's the worst know. thing in the world if you if you express a feeling or an idea of yours in a book or a short story. And then someone goes, well, this is terrible. Or it's, <laughs> they say something <laughs> really mean and you're like, oh, well, thank you. You know, it's kind of uh, it, it can be devastating at times. You have to build quite a an armory, a, a, a second skin to kind of, you know, get through that because it can really, uh, it can really affect people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to, 
you need to have a tough skin if you if you're gonna you know be a writer or, or anything i think you know if you're kind of like somewhat in the public domain i mean there's always going to be people out there who are going to start uh, trying to knock you down yeah it just seems to be a part of life that we we have to deal with um it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And so you have to be prepared for that and you have to be kind of mentally tough enough to to deal with that and and rise above it oh yeah i used to be devastated like 10 years ago when i got comments or people saying things i would be so upset and and now i've kind of taken the um andy warhol someone says you can't write and it's terrible and it's like yeah you're (laughs) right i can't i am terrible or i do the old you know i don't come to your job and slop slap the sailor's cock out of your <laughs> mouth so don't come tell me what i how to do my job type thing so i kind of have i kind of have developed this snap back at people because it's just you know you know if someone has something good to say or something that about how something made them feel or something that, that you can learn from that's that's great but just the old sort of slash and burn comments are just you know terrible but yeah they're, they're hard to deal with I, I tend to just try and ignore them and, and just, yeah, move oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to, if you focus on them too much, it takes you away from the heart of writing or what you're doing or your story. Because mm. if you start thinking about these things, you you no longer are focusing on your on your art, so to speak. So it's not a good thing to do. It's better to, to avoid it. When, when you write these stories, like, okay, so there's, there's, there's a lot of entertainment and there's science and there's all these thoughts going on at the same time. And, um, and that, is there like a subtext or perhaps a, a theme or something you want people to get uh, other than the, the entertainment and all of the fun stuff um, on the top end of the story? And, and, you know, and this is something that could happen um, organically. It might not, you know, it's not like you're sitting there trying to give an opinion, so to speak, but it just sort of happens with the characters. Is that sort of something that people can get out of your books? I find um, most of my books tend to have themes behind them, but uh, I don't actually set out with a theme necessarily in mind. They they kind of emerge sort of almost sort of like um, as a byproduct as I'm writing. It's like I don't kind of sit down and think to myself i'm gonna write a book where i set all the rights in the world that'd be a really long book yeah you know (laughs) you know i I don't sort of try to sort of i don't know sort of beat people over the head with kind of like righteous themes or or anything or ideas um but there are themes kind of that develop naturally through the the telling of the story and uh you know, I mean, it's one of these things. I mean, sometimes you write things and they are actually a reflection of you. But I mean, other times you write things and uh, 
you know, not necessarily a reflection of you, you know, um, it's the same with characters. Some, some characters are, I, of my characters I look at and I think to myself, you know, it's like, yeah, I can definitely see some of my DNA in that character, but then there are other characters, not necessarily, you know, kind of the, the sort of bad characters, but, you know, I look at them and I think, yeah, there's not really much of me in, in that one at all, but, you know, you kind of like, you have to, at least gain a sympathetic understanding of people with the other viewpoints, you know, that aren't necessarily yours. Now it says in your bio that you, um, you sort of fell in love um, with space and science fiction kind of back when you watched uh, Neil Armstrong and the, and the moon landing and all that uh, walking on the moon. You, you do realize that that didn't happen, right? (laughs) (laughs) I say that because we had the flat earthers on the show and I was just like, <laughs> it was just crazy. And, um, and, uh, you know, so, but that, that sort of started it and, and you kind of write like in these, you say they're near future sci-fi thrillers, right? So, um, and you kind of do plausible science, but do you ever worry about you're trying to be a plausible, like a reasonable scientific series in the books but being near future when it happened, you know, when the future kind of comes up on us, do you ever worry that it, something you say might not be real or not, might not happen or couldn't happen? Or um, I don't worry too much about um, about things not coming true exactly the way I've written it in the books. I, I think if you started sort of trying to, um, you know, kind of dull guess yourself like that, you'd very quickly end up not being able to produce anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I chose deliberately to kind of like keep at least the initial books fairly kind of like close in the relatively near future um, because I, I wanted to write about stories and people that, you know, were very easily relatable to people now and not kind of so far in the future that, you know, their societies and things that were happening uh, were almost unrecognizable. Uh, So, you know, that in itself is a deliberate choice. Um, What I actually am finding kind of a little bit more scary and a little bit more worrying is, is the number of things that I've kind of put into my books in the near future that sadly seemed to be coming true even quicker than I had imagined. Um, you know, a, a lot of the things around sort of like, you know, the environment and what have you, the, the kind of, you know, we're starting to see them now. And, uh, you know, in my books, it's like, you know, I'm kind of like talking about these things kind of maybe 150 years from now. And it's like, but we're already seeing the, the, the kind of the signs now and, that's kind of worrying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, are you ever going to deal with, with any sort of pandemic or, or uh, viruses or, you know, monkey box or anything strange in your books <laughs> or, you know, is it too close to what has happened that you're going to stay away from it? I think it, it's a little bit too close. Um, I, I try to do things that are kind of different and not, what people might necessarily expect 
And so I think, at least for me at the moment, that's probably a little bit um, too close. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that I, I wouldn't necessarily write something along those lines, you know, in the future. But for now, I think it's a little bit too close. And quite honestly, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm kind of tired of, you know, monkey poxes and, and viruses and, and well yeah it's a bit cumbersome it's, you know it is and it's yeah. it's because it's daily and it takes it it's only been a couple of years but it seems like 20 years yeah it's know. been a long time you know and and here we are kind of you know sort of two and a half years kind of like later and we're only really starting to see the first signs of things you know shifting somewhat back to normal and you know that's a long time yeah, yeah. It certainly seems um, like forever, but, um, you, you know, I also see, okay, this is my kind of story to cynical humor and that sort of thing, because that's who I am. <laughs> and <laughs> I've been called a lot of things because I am so cynical. I'm so, and, and I like satire. I like that sort of thing. But like myself, I get quite often um, called colorful and different things. Um but do you worry, um, or not worry, but did you have to be careful? Because there has to be a timing, like humor and, and cynicism and satire and all that. It's got to be in the right place at the right time, or it can really fall flat, right? It can it not work, or you could trigger someone, so to speak, as they say. Do you have to actually be conscious and really think about your your kind of humor that you put in the book? Um, I, as I'm writing, I tend to be um, pretty much open to anything. Um, and I will, like, at least in my first draft, I will kind of throw in um, sometimes some of the, the worst and, and sort of darkest kind of <laughs> jokes you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then as I revise, it's like I'll kind of like look at some of them and I'll think to myself, yeah, okay, that's maybe a little bit too close to the knuckle. Um, that's maybe not quite where we want to take this at this point. Um, and I also am very fortunate in that my uh, my wife reads my books and she's kind of like my one of my editors and uh, she has a very good sort of like sense of, you know, kind of like whether something's worth including or not. And uh, so between us, we usually kind of like manage to find a, a fairly good balance. You know, there are things, sometimes she'll just tell me outright, you know, yeah, you can't include that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I'll kind of like, go, well, and she's usually right. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, because it's it's a it, you know it's a pretty sensitive world right now. People are very um, conscious, and and everyone's kind of over cautious. Sometimes I think people are scared to a to a certain extent to sort of just say things kind of how they are without you know thinking they're going to upset someone or hurt someone or offend someone. And it's and it's not right to be mean and hurt someone and all that. But sometimes. We've got to have some adult humor and stuff, right? I think personally. Yeah, I would agree, and and I also agree. I think that uh, we've kind of like tipped a little bit too far into the kind of, 
you know, sort of, um, oh, well, we can't upset people. We can't say this because somebody might get triggered or, you know, so on. I mean, a lot of books nowadays they have, they're actually, they've started including trigger warnings (laughs) in the description. It's like, you know, you know, caution this book contains things that you know such as whatever you know i don't know exactly and i just refused point blank to to do that because you know it's like i mean i, I assume you know I'm, I'm writing for adults and so i assume that you can kind of like understand the difference between you know kind of fiction and reality and this is a piece of fiction you know you know no 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 people were harmed in the making of this book <laughs> But they will be now, you know, but, you know, on the trigger, you know, it's funny because, you know, true crime, a lot of what I write sells like crazy and people are really into it. All the true crime shows and murder mm. and all this stuff. And, I, and I'm thinking, and yeah, they're sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so, it just doesn't, you know, like I got to sit down and watch my favorite discovery murder shows for, for a couple hours. And then, someone said something off color and it's, Oh my God, I'm so upset. That's sort of, it doesn't correspond with me. I don't get it, mm. but Hey, that nobody cares about me. So. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, I, uh, I just happened to notice a, a, a post uh, on social media uh, last week by one of my longtime fans. And, uh, I, I won't go into the details, but it just kind of like made me realize that in one of my books, there's a, a part of that book. And I thought to myself, wow, how is she going to deal with that based on what she just kind of posted? And so I, I contacted her privately and, and just, you know, very gently sort of warned her. I didn't tell her the nature of what it was that, you know, I thought might upset her. But I just kind of like thought, you know, well, I better do just in case. And uh, it was kind of interesting because, you know, she, uh, her response was like, you know, I'm an adult. It's like, I know the difference. You know, it's like, this is, <laughs> it's a book. You know, I, I'm yeah. not, you know, that's not going to kind of like hurt me. It's a book. It's not reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I mean. It's kind of a little bit, you have to be cautious because you don't really know what to expect. Mm. You know. Yeah, and and it is it is a valid concern. I mean, like you say, I mean, you you don't set out to deliberately hurt people with these things, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you can't just sort of like you know live in this kind of happy sort of peppy sort of Sesame Street world forever. You know. No, it's not going to. You're not going to survive. There's, there's a real world out there, so. We interrupt our programming. This is a national emergency. Important details will follow. Are you prepared? Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready.
Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No. Go phone. Only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers, and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T. Your world delivered. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha 990. I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. What? Stay back. I've got mace. Oh, they're one of my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Now back to the show. When you say that you, you're not really outlining stuff, and like this is book two, do you know how many books in a series you're going to do or how many parts to the series you're going to complete? Because it's so it seems kind of random in a way. <laughs> um. Absolutely no idea. Okay. <laughs> the, the, it's interesting you mentioned that. The uh, the Joe Bowen series, which as I said was my uh, first series, um, that originally was going to be a standalone book. That was it, just one book and, and done. And as I was kind of uh, writing and editing the first book, I realized that there was more to this story. And so then I started working on the second book. Um, I wrote the second book and I was editing that. And down to a suggestion by my wife, I made a very, very small change, at least in terms of that particular book, um, to the ending. Um, 
which I completely agreed with, but, you know, it was actually my wife who uh, made the suggestion. But that was in editing. And as a result of that, I, I mean, I'd already started writing book three because I realized that there needed to be a third book. But I had 75,000 words written and suddenly this one slight change in book two completely invalidated <laughs> all of what I'd written in book three. Oh. So then I had to rewrite completely book three, but that meant that I ended up, because I still needed to finish off the whole series, I realized. And so I ended up with having four books in that series. Um, the Logan's World book similarly was going to be just like a one-off. And then again, I kind of got to the end of it and realized there had to be at least one more. Okay. And then I, as I was writing the second, I realized, yeah, we're still not going to be done. So there's going to be at least a third. I doubt there'll be a fourth, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. And don't, don't be writing ahead of time in case the, the wife gives you some, some change. And then, <laughs> and then, I mean, you could always fall back and say it was all a dream. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it's a good move for anyone, but when in doubt, <laughs> they, they he woke up in book three yeah <laughs> no it's, it's insane sort of thing do you would you go back um to older books now and and reread them or look at them now and kind of go oh and then uh, because it's my it's my belief that each time we do do a book and you complete it and it's out there and then you move on i feel there's a certain amount of knowledge you get or there's a certain amount more of um ability in writing different tools let's say you become a better writer and so when you go back to something that you did you know five books ago or even longer sometimes you can notice things that you would do differently now do you ever sort of does that ever come across to you oh absolutely um i mean from the first book i released i mean I, i've always been kind of a bit of a perfectionist i, I try to make them absolutely as you know, as good as I possibly can. And, and I mean, that's what you do. You always, you know, you're always proud of the work that you do at the time that you do it. But I mean, yeah, it's always a learning experience. And so, you know, as you, you know, you kind of like develop your skills and, and, you know, you get better at developing like characters, plot, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you inevitably will look back and, and I certainly have, and I've looked back and I've thought, wow um i wouldn't i wouldn't write that like that now <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know makes you want to change it but that's an endless process because that'll never stop then if you keep doing that right yeah i mean that's the thing you have to accept that that was kind of like you know the best that you were able to do at the time and and you have to move on because otherwise yeah you would get nowhere you'd just constantly be re revising <laughs> be rewriting every day <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be the Sisyphean equivalent of Weiss's uh, Howl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so so someone that had never never heard of you before, hard to believe. But if there's someone out there in this world that doesn't <laughs> know sure <laughs> doesn't know David M. Kelly, um, besides okay, the new book that 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 you're focusing on to sell, um, what one book would you say you got to read this book? in order to know who David M. Kelly is as a writer? Um, 
that's always a yeah. tough question. It's kind of like, you know, who's your favorite child? <laughs> it depends on what they're doing that day, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, probably I would say that uh, the the Joe Ballon series is kind of more me um, in terms of the character and the character's humor and so on. So probably I would say the Joe Ballon series. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough old question, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for sure. I, I like putting people on the spot with that. <laughs> well, you know, cause it is a tough one, but it's kind of gives a, you know, makes you kind of answer something, you know? So to, now your main character here, like, uh, Logan Two Feathers, I believe. So yes. who is Logan Two Feathers? Like who, what, what kind of a character is this person? Logan is a space engineer um, who, as I say, I originally developed the character in, in the Joe Ballon series. Uh, and I was looking for a character who would be uh, a kind of a space construction engineer. Um, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, who would uh, kind of take on such a, a, a job. And I happened across um, a couple of articles talking about uh, the uh, um, the American um, natives, the Native Americans, who basically had built all of the skyscrapers in New York. And kind of like they did these jobs and like they showed kind of no fear of heights and what have you. And I just thought to myself, Wow, that that's the kind of person I could imagine kind of like who'd be quite happy to go and start, you know, building things in space. And so that's kind of like how that character first came about. And then as I said, through those books, he kind of developed a, a more and more and became more and more solid. And so basically he's he's an engineer, he's very down to earth, he's a very um He's a very moral character. He's got a very, very dry sense of humor. Uh, and he's very, very loyal to like those around him. And he cares a lot. But he finds himself in this world where um, he's dealing with both bigotry from people who supposedly are his allies um, but then he's also facing the fact that this planet that he found helped he found and helped to um, settle has been basically invaded by uh, enemy soldiers, and so he's kind of literally sort of fighting for his life on many fronts. And uh, so the whole story is quite a. Uh, it's quite a long kind of tale of heroism and a, a personal journey for the character. And, and of course, a lot of you will be in that character. Uh, you know, as most writers, they do put themselves into it. Uh, do you draw from some, somewhere else as well to fill a character as I'm like, do you take other people you know or other people you watch, you know, like, you know, you're hanging out in the, 
coffee shop or the bar and you're kind of looking at people and and getting ideas or or does it just is this totally imagination um it's it's kind of a mix of of all of those really i mean a lot of the kind of like the the ideas and and the personality of logan certainly is reflective of you know certain aspects of my personality um some of his um some of his personality is definitely kind of like derived from people i've met and and people i know and and some of it is is just kind of you know sheer imagination in terms of like you know putting myself into that character's shoes and and saying well you know if i was in those shoes how would i react how would i feel to these circumstances and so it is very much you know kind of uh, an amalgamation of all of these different things do, do you ever um um take people or run you know use people that are completely nasty awful people that you've had running run in your life or people you don't like and then you put them in the book and they they get killed or tortured or something <laughs> i've never deliberately put oh come on give us the names tell us a, the truth I, i've i've never deliberately put a person in my book for the for the pure reason of being able to torture them uh <laughs> oh, well it's time you start um but there are kind of you know characters in my books who are you know kind of like shall we say not very nice people and you know certainly you know s some of their character and and personalities based on people that i've known that you know i've not liked <laughs> yeah so, you know i mean it, it it all informs you know the the kind of choice you know do you, do you, do you actually um, try to act out or scene out some of the um, different things that are happening in the book? Do you put it? Do you kind of work it out in your brain, or maybe you dress up like a, someone and you do that sort of thing, or do you do any of that? Or, <laughs> you know, I have to, because I get people that say they do. Some of them dress up. You know, they've got dresses on. They've got all sorts of stuff on. I think it's great, but how do you how do you act out scenes or do you um i don't do any kind of dress up, <laughs> <laughs> i have to say yeah. um basically for me it, it's really kind of like all in my imagination it, it's you know it's like i i i, I think I, i'm a reasonably fairly empathic kind of person and so you know i i sort of spend time sort of thinking myself as as i said earlier you know it's like I, I try to put myself in that person's shoes and 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 that circumstance and think to myself well you know how would i react how would i feel you know what would i go through if i was in that circumstance and and how would i react you know what would i do um and i mean i mean there's also i mean as I said, I mean, I also draw on things that I've seen and, and you know, things that I, I've, I've been aware of from other people that I know, or like you said, sometimes just, you know, people that you might see in the street or, or in a coffee shop or something. Right. Yeah. You know, they all kind of like help to inform 
the choices of how you make a, a, a character, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whole. Yeah. In these last five years or so, there's been a lot of great characters to copy um, that you can get away with almost anything now but because previously you, people would have said, well, that's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but the way some people act, you might not. Um, you could get away with more. Do, do you have a process in writing, like um, in a particular? And I mean this in setting. Like, do you have to be in a certain setting or placing, or have certain things around you? Music, no music, and do you have to be in the right mood? And that's important because, you know, can you just rope off time and say, well, there's nobody home ten to two, so I'm going to write and sit down and write. Is that all? How does that work for you? Uh, I'm lucky in that I I write full time, um, which I'm very glad about because when I was working and trying to write, I didn't progress very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm lucky enough to to write kind of full time, and so it literally is my job. I get up, um, you know, I kind of like have breakfast and what have you and then i'm i'm basically writing it's like but the thing is i mean writing isn't it's not just putting words on paper i mean writing is a lot of different things you know there's research there's uh promotion you know media there's editing advertising all of these things so it's not necessarily strictly just putting words down on on a page um but in terms of um, in terms of the actual writing words itself, I basically have a a weekly word target which I try to stick to, and I don't always manage, but most of the time I do. I I used to do daily word targets but i found that was a bit difficult because you can never quite guarantee when things are going to strike uh or at least i can't right um so uh yeah i have a weekly target and i try to stick to that but as i say i mean it's like it's not just purely the 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 words themselves it's not like you you kind of as you, i'm sure you know yourself you don't just like knock out 50,000 words and then that's it you know it's it's there's more to it than just an actual word count um but yeah so I, I try to write every day during the week I try to take weekends off although depending on deadlines and what's happening and release schedules sometimes that doesn't happen but that's what I, I try to do and uh, usually I'm kind of like writing at least two or three hours a day what what about mood so if 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 things are just not going well i mean in your outside life sort of not not the writing part but or you know you got this protest outside your door or something's going on and it's kind of just throwing your day off can you still are you that type of guy that sits down and can still do it no, mood is is definitely a factor. I mean, certainly. I mean, for me, uh, with all of the the kind of like the COVID when news when that was kind of like hitting us every day, you know, and every day it just seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse. I really kind of like found it difficult to to 
concentrate on writing every time I tried to sit down to do anything it's like my brain would be trying to get a grip on you know what was happening in the world and so I found it very very challenging at that point to to kind of write with any kind of regularity um things just kind of like outside the house they don't tend to bother me too much it's mostly kind of like what's happening in my brain that bothers me um so if it's noisy outside it's like that doesn't tend to bother me um as i said i used to write on the train which was kind of like a packed commute train and yeah. that didn't really bother me um i can like if i'm if I'm out and about and I've got some spare time, like I'm waiting for an appointment or something, it's like I'll write on my phone. Um, so it doesn't have to be a particular setting or, or particularly quiet. I don't write with music. I know a lot of people do, but I'd find that kind of like too distracting. I'd be singing along with the songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, generally it's like I'm, I'm not, distracted that easily but as i say if there are things that are going on that are kind of occupying my brain that really can be quite uh, an issue um and it, and especially over the last couple of years it's been difficult to sort of like turn those things off yeah yeah it's all over the place everywhere you go you know it's hard to get away from it um how, how do you like to interact with your fans or readers and, and with people and stuff? Like, do you have a website? What's your favorite social media? What's, what's your way to connect? I do have a website. Um, my website's davidmkelly.com. Um, and I'm on um, Facebook and Twitter. And they're probably t the two best ways of kind of like reaching out to me if people want to. Um, I've got a contact form on my website and people can always email me. I mean, I, I like hearing from fans. Like, um, I, I'd love to hear from them more. And one of the things that has been, you know, kind of really quite disheartening over the last couple of years is the fact that we haven't been able to do, you know, live events and get to meet people, you know, in person. So, um, that, thankfully is now uh starting to ease off i did my first live event uh just a couple of weeks ago um in sort of nearly two and a half years and it was like wow it's so nice to actually get out and and meet people again <laughs> yeah yeah it's a change um well of course we'll have everything up on our website too people can find you one click and they can do you know whatever they need and uh you know uh, you you want to give out your phone number too <laughs> Mm, no, I, th I think I think my wife would probably be uh, a, a bit upset about that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be could be a problem, you know. Um, so, what's your do you, old science fiction or new science fiction? And for me, old science fiction is stuff like I, I'm an old guy, so I'm I'm talking about stuff from, you know, the fifties and sixties and seventies mm -hmm. even compared to modern day. Do you have a favorite? Well, I kind of grew up on the the older kind of classic science fiction, you know, Heinlein, Asimov, Clark, etc. So, I mean, that will always, you know, have a, a you know a kind of like a special place in my heart. Um, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff coming out now as well. You know, I mean, like the Expanse series. I mean, 
that's uh, a very good series. Um, I very much enjoyed um, Old Man's War by John Scalzi as well. Uh, I, I liked the way that he kind of like flipped the whole kind of sci-fi war kind of concept around and turned it on its head. Um, and then um, there's also uh, the oh the Murderbot stories by Martha Wells. Uh, those are very good as well. So I kind of like both, you know. But as I say, I'll always have a, a soft spot for the classics. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how some of the classics still hold, even though, it, you know, it's kind of a, you know, far fetched. Like the ideas are just not real, but. Some, they still hold uh, a lot of water today. Yeah, indeed. I think, um, you know, I mean, they were very much the, the trendsetters. And uh, I mean, I've had occasions where people have, you know, have compared some of my stories and, and books to some of the kind of classic writers. And like, I find that incredibly flattering you know, that they kind of like felt that they had a similar kind of quality to, to those books. And, you know, I, I mean, that to me is kind of like almost, uh, you know, the ultimate compliment. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that just means you're following some of the great, great uh, sci-fi uh, writers before, you know, you're, you're holding up. That's great. You know, um, do you ever have white writer's block then? Do you ever, do you ever get to where you can't write? Um, I sometimes get to the point where, because I said my, my approach is very kind of, um, organic. I, I sometimes get to the point where, um, I don't know exactly where to go next in the story. Um, it's not kind of writer's block in a sort of traditional sense. It's more just kind of like, yeah, and my brain hasn't quite figured out which things it wants to do yet and so what i actually do at that point is i'll i'll actually just put that story to one side and start writing and start working on another one that's mm -hmm. kind of like different and and I let my subconscious work on the the one that kind of like got a little bit stuck Wow, which is is kind of quite a, a useful kind of like technique because it kind of takes you away from the thing that's you know maybe causing some problems, but it maintains your productivity, which obviously is a a, a definite bonus. <laughs> yeah, oh for sure, you know. Well, interesting conversation, and uh, we're glad you came on the show. Now, uh, the new book coming out on June 7th is, is book two of Logan's World, uh, mm -hmm. Quailin Shin, and Quailin Shin Don, sorry. And of course, yeah. our guest is the author, uh, David M. Kelly. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Al. It's been a pleasure. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now.
Was it as good for you as it was for me? Southern California's Mind Spring, the trifecta of progressive talk in Southern California. The legend you love and the best talk. Lifestyles Unlimited is the real estate investor education and mentoring group that has taken people by the hand and taught them how to invest in real estate for over 24 years. Our students have been so successful at creating wealth and passive income that they've won local, state, and national investor of the year awards nine of the last nine years. It's easy to see why Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine named us the best in the U.S. If you're ready to add real estate to your portfolio, go to GetMyMapNow.com to access our free live training event schedule. Wondering who the free workshop is for? We've been amazingly successful with people who are pressed for time. Doctors, lawyers, small business owners, and corporate professionals who are grinding their lives away for earned income and don't realize they can start creating passive income today within the confines of their schedules and commitments. Want to get started now? Go to MyPassiveIncomeWorkshop.com. That's MyPassiveIncomeWorkshop.com. Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, heard here on KCAA every Friday, 3 p.m. Pacific. Listen to me as I talk to some of the top businesses and horse people from around the world. That's the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, right here on KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Bob Vila here with my home improvement tip of the day. If you're planning to cut plywood, here are a few points to keep in mind. Cutting plywood usually creates a splintered edge on one side of the sheet. That's no big deal if your project requires only one side of the sheet to be splinter-free. Which side the splinters will be on depends on the type of saw you're using to make the cut. Generally speaking, radial arm saws and table saws produce splinters on the top side of the sheet, while saber saws and circular saws splinter the wood on the bottom. If your choice of tools is a muscle-powered handsaw, expect splinters on the top. But what if you need both sides of the sheet to be free of splinters? Your best bet is to use the sharpest, stiffest knife you can find to make deep scores on both sides of the wood along the lines of the intended cuts. As always, with power tools, make sure you don protective glasses and gloves before you start your cuts. Get more info at BobVila.com and right here at home with me, Bob Vila. Thinking about buying a home or maybe just refinancing? Let the mortgage voice Jeff Barton guide you. And I think if people get the expectation going into the process, there's less likely to be freaking out at the end about what's happening. The Mortgage Voice, Saturday at 3 p.m. and Sundays at noon here on KCAA 1050 AM and 106.5 FM. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292 FQ Riverside, and K293C2 